of Two Girls, One Podcast is about a group of adults wearing costumes and pretending to fight about things that don't really matter, or as we call it in the United States, Congress. Got them. And now here are the only hosts in podcasting who live action role play like nobody's watching. Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. Hello, everyone. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. We are performers. We had a live comedy show called Blogologues where we used the internet as a script. We also had a web series called Two Girls, One Show where we went on scripted adventures and met people behind internet posts. And here we are with Two Girls, One Podcast. We are meeting people here from different internet communities or behind phenomena that we find really interesting. There is a, a a boy here. It's you know two girls. There's also one boy. We don't mention him a in the boy. title, but he's here. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, I'm a boy. <laughs> yeah. You know, puberty's gonna be wild. Just heads up, and I'm looking forward to your bar mitzvah. P- puberty? What's that? <laughs> we'll discuss it off air. <sighs> yes. Today, um, Matt's already kind of doing a little role playing. <laughs> would you say? Ooh, uh, <laughs> nice segue, Jennifer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Today we are covering what the hell are we covering, Allie? <laughs> we are finally covering LARPing, which many of our listeners have requested. But our dilemma was that LARPing is pretty uh Real life, considering it stands for live action role playing. Um, but with the pandemic, we know that it's moved online. And also there's a lot of ways that the communities, you know, the different LARPing communities find each other online. So, you know, we're finally ready to dive in. And we found a LARPing group in particular that we really like. So here we are. Ellie, have you ever LARPed? Girl, I can't answer that on air. <laughs> Why? <laughs> No, it just sounds dirty. Like, have you ever thought? <laughs> I really, you know what I mean? Like, remember early days of 2G1P, like, schwamping? Like, that's kind of what LARPing sounds like to me. Yeah. Like, mm. yeah. Like, mm. late at night, I LARP. Mm. I don't tell anyone, and I make sure my roommates are asleep, but then I LARP. <laughs> so you both you both have LARPed uh, in public many times. Oh, many my times. God. That is true. So it so is interesting. Yeah. Like imagine if you if you got on a stage and then put on an elaborate costume and pretended mm-hmm. to be someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I can't imagine it. Yeah. Right. I can't imagine not doing it on a stage, but that'll be cool to hear about today. Mm. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, true. Yeah. Right. It's a it really would actually good be point. It would be really cool. None of that fourth wall stuff. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Just... Although I feel like years ago I saw you in a play that was like in a house, Jen, and you would like wander oh, yeah. from room to room, and oh. you were kind of like part of the event. It was an event, yeah, so not, a, not a play. Go. That's exactly what this is. Definitely that LARPed. was LARPing. So totally. I LARPed. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to admit mm-hmm. it. <laughs> LARPing <laughs> is totally normal, but guys. <laughs> okay. Question. Yes. 
if you signed up to LARP tomorrow, pandemic aside, all that's all that jazz, what sort of fantastical trope would you be most drawn to? Are you a fighter? Are you a cleric? Are you a barbarian? Are you a are you a wizard? Or is it Harry Potter? What's where, where are you going? Well, Allie we know first. my answer, so I'll yeah. you know defer to you two. <laughs> I don't know too much about fantastical tropes. You all know I've never read Harry Potter. <laughs> um, but I imagine it would... C- can I do superhero? Is I? You could do whatever you want. It's not typically yeah. in the sort of dwarves, elves, you know, okay. rangers kind of canon, but uh, but sure. Yeah, I would like to do something superhuman. I don't know, like, like move mountains or like, I don't know, mm. walk through walls, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what... Kind of. So what I that think is. in the I think in the fantasy esque worlds, you, you maybe you're leaning toward a a magic user, a wizard, a, a mage of some sort, where yes. you could make yourself invisible, you could move through walls. That that is among your your abilities. Yes, please. Okay. Okay. So Matt, how about you? <laughs> well, wait. Allie's assuming we know her answer, but you're just saying, are you a are you a child wizard in a wizarding house, or anything <laughs> more to add there? Uh, yep, that sums it up. Got it. Okay, cool. Cool. Can you say that with a British accent? <laughs> I'm a child wizard. No, this I'm a wizard. I'm a wizard in a wizarding house. I'm a wizard, Harry. I'm a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Harry. Uh, well, now that everybody's clicked out, thanks so much for joining us everyone. today. <laughs> Before we get to trivia, Matt, what, where, where do you fall in this? What would you want to do? I, I always gravitate toward uh, like sneaky thief type characters uh, in, in a lot of the games that I play. So I want to sneak around. I want to steal stuff, you know, murder murder people from behind. They'll, they'll never see it coming. Wow. That's, that's where I'm going Okay, be. cool. This shines a whole new light. Really? <laughs> yeah, glad we record remotely now, you know? It's not safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. All right, I do have some trivia today. I'm pretty excited about this one. Great. Are you ready? Yes. Am I? Today's episode is about live action role playing, and today's trivia is about the dangers and horrors of tabletop role playing, which we can all agree is harmful to youth and leads to dangerous behavior. I don't think that's a controversial statement. Case in point, in 1979, a Michigan State University student disappeared without a trace, and newspapers at the time noted that he sure was playing a lot of that Dungeons and Dragons. So obviously his role-playing hobby had everything to do with his mysterious behavior and disappearance. Uh, Very quickly, somebody wrote a novel that fictionalized these events. And then very quickly after that, a made for TV movie premiered on CBS in 1982 that tells the harrowing tale of a college kid who made a bunch of friends and got into role-playing games And then he fails out of school, starts having psychotic episodes, and believes that he has become his D&D character in real life. A cleric named Pardieu. All of this fed into the craze that role-playing games were a bad influence in the late 70s, early 80s. Today's trivia is this film starred a relatively unknown actor in his very first leading movie role. Michael Who J. Played, Fox. 
Uh, All right, well, I think choices. we're done here. <laughs> that's one of the choices. Okay, get ready. <laughs> okay. Nah, Jen already, she just slammed Jen up got that it. shit. We're out of here. I love this. I love, I'm loving this. Send her a gift card. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Who played Robbie Wheeling, the psychotic D&D player in this 1982 TV movie extolling the dangers of tabletop games? Was it A, a 26-year-old Tom Hanks? Was oh, wow. it B, a 21-year-old Michael J. Fox, as Jen has already guessed, <laughs> or C, a 20-year-old Emilio Estevez, who oh, wow. got their first lead movie role in this, basically, this propaganda movie. All right, now I know we usually try to diversify, but Jen, I'm just going to lean in and say let's both do B, because I just think, <laughs> you know, you're onto something and I want to support you. Thank you so much. It was my first guess. Although now that I hear Emilio Estevez, I feel like there's a strong <laughs> chance it could also be him. So I just don't see Tom Hanks in this role. But let's let's double down Michael J. Fox. Double down, win. both going Great. with Michael J. Fox, future star of Family Ties, Back to the Future. Uh, we will find out if that is the correct answer after this commercial break. Hello. Thank you so much to our fine knights and peasants. We really appreciate all their efforts to support our Patreon at the $10 level or more. Chris Harrison, Jerry Duran, Jessica Fox, <laughs> Melissa Elliott, <laughs> James Dodger, <laughs> Kathy Phillips, William, Matthew Scott, Wesley Cornell. Thank you so much for supporting our Patreon. We we thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. The very bottom. And now a real post entitled Trash Can Put to Curb Too Soon from the website where all the trash goes eventually. Next door, courtesy of Best of Next Door. need to sincerely apologize to all my neighbors for offending them with the sight of my trash today, Monday 427 at noon. For multiple reasons I've disclosed to the HOA via email, I had to put it out six hours early. I know this is offensive and uh, contrary to the values of our neighborhood. I want to thank the individuals who stood up for justice on this trash can issue and reported me to the HOA. Without you in my business, I'd truly be lost. I'd also like to thank the HOA for the kind, non-passive-aggressive email warning me that my despicable actions would not be tolerated and reminding me that my beloved leaders have the power and authority to fine me up to the point of placing a lien on my property. Remember, folks, no trash cans out too early. Don't have that problem in New York City. You put out trash, though, Allie, right? No, New York City is just a pile of trash. Literally, just one big pile. I lived there for so long. Now I go back and I'm like, there are walls of trash. No, because there are no alleys. <laughs> right. So Seriously, there are no so alleys. Much. So on trash day, it's literal walls of trash. LA, we have flowers, New York trash. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you, uh, Los Angeles, put your trash? Also, is that how you say that word? 
<laughs> you guys recycle it. You just you you, you, you keep it. the trash in your apartment and we then recycle, turn it into uh, tables and chairs. We got our shit together. No, kind of. No, but the, you know, the building is a trash can and you put it out on trash day, but it's not like New York, you know, because we're a mess yeah, here. It's, it's yeah. much more spread out. So, you, you know, my whole building, whatever, it's boring. But, you know, and you go. <laughs> I like in the summer when you have the walls of trash, but then it's been like cook, cooking out mm-hmm. on the curb for, you know, three to four hours. And then it's just the entire city smells like uh, yeah. a trash. Yeah, it's really you know, beautiful. That's really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what Who's do we got? Is Michael J. More Fox? about Michael J. Fox? <laughs> Is it Michael J. Fox who starred yes. in the 1982, uh, you know, pro- propaganda? I don't know if that's the right term, but there was a lot of fear around role-playing games, Dungeons and Dragons, people pretending to be wizards and monsters. What's going to happen to the youth? And there was a film in 1982 on TV, uh, and someone got their, I would say, big break from this film was it tom hanks was it michael j fox jen and Allie both went with michael j fox jen thought of michael j fox out of the clear blue sky didn't even know it was an an answer nobody picked emilio estevez but he is a strong contender we're sticking with b yeah yeah michael Mm -hmm. j fox now for the answer to this trivia question i'm gonna play a clip from the 1982 CBS made-for-TV movie Mazes and Monsters. So now, just for a a tiny bit of context on this clip, the main character uh, believes that he is uh, a a cleric, like a healer inside the game, and he's losing his mind because he doesn't know what's real and what's a fantasy world. And I think he's about to jump off a bridge or or a pier. Like it, It implies he's about to commit suicide and his friends are chasing after him, trying to pull him back into reality. See if you can recognize the voice in this clip. Going to join the Great Hall. (gasps) You can't. It's a trap. I have spells. I'm going to fly. Hmm. You don't have enough points. I am the maze controller. Maze Maze controller? Yes. And I have absolute authority in this game. Game? Game. JJ, what am I doing here? Kate, why can't I remember? Friend, you can turn to... It's Tom okay. Hanks! That movie sounds horrible. <laughs> He's such a good actor now. I mean, I guess we'll have to cut him some slack. I think wow. the direction, yeah, everyone, everyone to too, was... Yeah, that was... Oof. The, I have nightmares about game. that. I haven't even seen the visual. <laughs> it's no good. Wow. I gotta say, you can watch this clip on YouTube, and as stupid as the film is, obviously, and it, it's all corny, and it's all... And you, you would not recognize any other actors, and maybe we're biased, because, like, who doesn't love Tom Hanks? But, like, He's Tom Hanks. And like, even though it's corny, like he's he's still in there and he's still acting. He's he's still believable is a strong word, but you still have sympathy for this character, even though it's the dumbest shit ever. Um, his that was his first lead role in a movie. He was doing TV uh, starting in 1980 with Bosom Buddies, which was yeah. like a sitcom. And so I guess he was becoming known, but not not a household name the way he was today so and he, he's a tiny baby he's a 26 year old baby tom hanks in this clip <laughs> just it, pull, mazes I, and monsters check you it can out pull up the uh the poster for the movie or the whatever the cover <laughs> right <laughs> it's pretty good pretty good yep. he looks great oh my god i love tom. we all just love tom hanks all mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, remember false. when COVID got Tom and we were all like, not Tom, anyone but Tom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, everybody, please welcome to the show our guest today, Rachel Cofield, who is the director at Garden of Destiny's LARP. Uh, they are also in the midst of working with an initiative called LARPing in Color, and we shall hear a bit more about that today. Please welcome to the show, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Um, it's great to be with you guys today. Hopefully I can... Uh elucidate a little bit about this thing called LARPing. <laughs> well, uh, we hope so too. I, we know you are going to, um, <laughs> you know, we most, we're going to mostly assume that our listeners know what LARPing is. Perhaps some don't, you know, but so for any newbies out there, could you just start by explaining a bit about what is LARPing? So LARPing is uh, <laughs> live action role-playing. This is a really incredibly broad term, you know, no two LARPs are exactly the same, even if they were using the same uh, rule system, though, obviously more overlap there. For me, there's like two really broad categories, like parlor LARPing and boffer LARPing, the latter of which being one where you use uh, foam weaponry, um, tends to be in a more outdoor context. Um, but again, even within those, there is incredible variation. Like you have blockbuster LARP that tend to be more expensive, more prop heavy, um, nicer venues sometimes. Um, you have local LARPing, so they tend to be smaller, more community focused, uh, often in state parks or at least local rental sites, that sort of thing. And then you have LARPs within, you know, boffer LARPs that are full contact or lightest touch um, in terms of how hard you hit each other, that sort of thing. And there's obviously different rules within each. I think all of these have very different expectations that you kind of learn as you, you enter a new community and like suss it out and see what's going on, right? I've always loved the word LARP. It's just a great word. <laughs> I, I want to use it for everything and um anything with like live action in the title like right now just like live just sounds really exciting you know but wow true. can i interact yeah. with people <laughs> let's dive into your community so garden of destinies what's happening uh we are a boffer lightest touch larp um which means you only hit other people uh hard enough to for them to feel it Right. So, like, to connect. That's right? always like, my rule. Yes. Uh, yes. Same rules in my house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a skill to it, right? Like, it, you know, people like to think that there's not, but like, if you're a small, femme bodied person hitting like a larger person, right? Like, feel like that helps to reconcile that, you know, some people are bigger than others and ha hit with more force. And so, like, you know, it evens the playing field as far as I'm concerned. And also, like, I mean, there's a very out-of-play physical element. Like, I don't actually want someone hitting me. Not in that context, right? Uh, yeah. Other context, maybe. It's another but not episode, in that yeah. Yeah, that's a different episode. So our community tends to be pretty small. Um, we have probably maybe like 100 people that actively engage in different contexts in different ways. Uh, we have 40 to 70 players, including staff, um, at each event. Uh, usually around 50 is about how many people we have there, including staff. And we have two sister LARPs. One has just started. They're doing a playtest year uh, called The Last Bastion. Uh, and they're, they're, they're further south, so they're kind of more Florida area. Um, and after the end LARP, which is a post-apoc Western LARP, quite a bit of overlap in that 
community base, right? Like we have some rules familiarity and like we talk to each other. So, you know, we're spanning the the three states of Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida. Um, and our goal is really to tell stories with players that are sometimes personal, sometimes like epic scale with everyone, but also really to increase access to the hobby. Like our game tends to be on the lower end of cost wise, like it's uh, $55 for a weekend that includes food. Um, And, you know, to create a safe space for folks to explore narratives, engage one another and like have intense emotions um, and connections and, and kind of tell a story as a group and as individuals. That's so cool. Um, you mentioned post-apocalyptic Western. That sounds fun. <laughs> um, I'm just curious, like, yeah, what are some of the other narratives and, you know, how does that play t- also into the inclusivity that you're talking about? Definitely. After the End is a more specific genre, whereas we are a multi-genre LARP. Um, mm-hmm. So we have world settings that are like very inspired sometimes by real world context, but also we have like a post-apoc setting that people can be from that's like the real world, except, you know, it's already rebuilt itself. And like, there's uh, various big bads from different worlds. What's a big, what's a big bad? Sorry to interrupt, but I just have to know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like a big bad would be something like a boss fight in a video game or like, I don't know, Mr. X in Resident Evil, right? (laughs) Okay. <laughs> like, he's a big bad. It's my new nickname for Jen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not to take you on too much of a tangent here as you're answering one question, but I am curious, you know, kind of looking around your site, I wasn't aware there there are rules for playing villains. Is that right? This was something that was kind of new to me. Um, so I don't think we really have rules for playing uh, a monster, right? Like the PCs are always, this is funny. Um, I just realized there's so much context I have to go into. (laughs) Um, So we have broadly these things called PCs and NPCs. So PCs are player characters um, and NPCs are non-playable characters or non-player characters. So like NPCs would be like the people you talk to in town or whatever. Um, Usually people do a shift Um, So it is very volunteer based, like, so everyone that comes to the game does a three hour shift, either working to help in the tavern, uh, because again, food is free, but we still need assistance, as well as performing different roles. Like sometimes this is what we call monstering. So coming out as various monsters that people engage with and fight, um, or being an NPC. Sometimes there's overlap between those things, as you can imagine. This is so funny to me because... (laughs) In a video game, an NPC is just a character that is controlled by the computer. It's a non-player character. But in LARPing, Mm -hmm. it's a character at the tavern who is a human being. Like they are a player serving food. (laughs) Like it's a real player, but it's a (laughs) non-player character because I guess they're not the hero or they're not the villain, right? This is just, I love this stuff. Well, I mean, they they can be villains and they certainly can be heroic as well. Um, they're just not the focus of the game, right? Like they are more facilitated. That's a better way, to, better way to put it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But they facilitate storytelling, right? So like mm. you could play an NPC that's helpful, that comes in and helps give uh, information that they're like a scholar and they're going to help you out. They could be your friend. In our community, there's a really high amount of romance, like call for romance. People want to romance our NPCs all the time. (laughs) I have like, I don't know, 
eight in-game partners. It's ridiculous. I, <laughs> I play a lot of NPCs. Um, Wait, but we literally have, have eight in-game partners. So does that mean you're like polyamorous in the game? Like I'm so lost. So some of them, right? You were but saying I, I there's ro- of- all this romance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of, um, so I play a lot of NPCs. Like I probably have 20, 25 NPCs that are consistent characters that I play often. And so maybe I'll play eight to 10. It will more like eight to 12 every game. And so I'll come in, I'll be that character for an hour and do some content and then I'll head out uh, and then I'll play someone else. It's very busy. It's, it's, I, I take on too many things. That's what I am now hearing myself say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like people want to hang out with NPCs sometimes. Sometimes it's because, you know, they they have useful information or like they're fun or they have a funny personality that you want to be around. And sometimes they're literally taking you somewhere to do something. Uh, that's what we call modules. So modules are like content that we set up presumably in a building or outside somewhere where the players go on a little adventure, basically. And we have rules for these things. It's all, you know, that's a bit nitty gritty, but yeah, like they go Mm. and do content. Like you might go clear out a cave or you might go talk to some diplomats or, you know, we have those sorts of things, or you might go do puzzles and like do an adventure mod, like your Indiana Jones, you know, that sort of thing. Um, (laughs) So there, there must be a dungeon master or a game master. There must be someone in charge who sets the storyline quest, you know, makes decisions. Is that, Correct. Yeah, um, I can talk about the way we do it. Um, so we have a staff. Sometimes we get new marshals or um, whatever, but we usually have seven or eight people, and we meet every week, and we basically design um, plot lines. We write down encounters, content, what is called field battles, which are like the big fights. Um, we tend to have one every monster shift. A monster <laughs> shift is three hours. So we have a lot of fights is what I'm saying uh, throughout the weekend. And then the players that are volunteered at the game uh, help us, you know, have the warm bodies necessary sometimes to make that happen for everyone. Some people produce more content than others. We're really more about trying to be like, okay, what is it that you can offer, right? Because we do this thing for free. Like, we do not make money off of our LARP. We do not get paid by our LARP. We make enough for operation costs and to book more games, right? Um, and to have a little bit in case we need to buy something cool for prop making or that or costumes or something. Mm-hmm. So is the team creating original stories from scratch or is it are you adapting D D campaigns or you know forgotten realms or you know vampire whatever uh-huh. how does the storytelling take shape in the early stages so for us we are telling our own stories um these are cool. things that come out of our heads sometimes we're influenced by things even if you just look at the world settings for example like wraith wall is a very like dark victorian horror inspired setting right like so we have inspirations right but like we are telling our own stories larping is very collaborative we talk about our ideas together and sometimes like that really helps like us find out what is doable what is not doable right you know it helps us formulate our own ideas and make them better and stronger and i think that's why you have the group dynamic like some larps don't i think rely i think they might be 
more idea independent, but we do tend to talk about our ideas and together um, and spend a lot of time thinking with one another and like building on one another's ideas. And I think that's really rad. And also you never know what the PCs are going to do, right? Like Mm -hmm. they could throw something out there and you're like, oh man, we hadn't considered that. But Mm -hmm. then you do consider it and you factor it in. And it's the way we look at storytelling is that that you do you do an action and it has consequences and that those consequences are they can be they can be good they can be bad they can be neither but basically actions have consequences and we kind of track it that way like oh well the pcs wanted to do this this is what they did so this is what we do next what great life lessons you know what i mean actions have consequences <laughs> and you've been busy preparing for these post apocalyptic worlds i mean did mm-hmm. larping prepare you for the pandemic <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, did you feel like, yeah, we've role played this, you know, a version of it? Like, <laughs> uh, so I think that for me, I think it made me realize a lot more the value of the thing we were doing, especially as the months went on. Like, our community was very, very lucky to not have, at least uh, on a an individual level. Um, we we didn't have a lot of tragedy uh, internally. And like a lot of us were able to stay home or we all, you know, we're all pro-science. We, we wore masks. I think that building the connections that we had at game with people on an in and out of play level, it really showed us all like kind of what we were missing. Um, and that like having this outlet really mattered. They're writing a play, an interactive live action play, yeah, performing yeah. No, in it in real similar. time. Like it's incredibly theatrical. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it is incredibly theatrical. My dilemma, I guess, is as I try to do it for work, I can't also do it for play. But uh, let's move on. <laughs> oh, I understand that. To- <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have always been fascinated by it. And, and I, I do want to move on because... You know, actually, listeners suggested for a long time that we cover LARPing, but it's very real world and we focus on Internet communities. Um, Mm -hmm. So I did want to move into some specifics. Well, first of all, you guys are doing something different that I love. So I know LARPing tends to be pretty male and I think pretty straight white and male. Um, No offense to our favorite straight white man, Matthew Silverman. But so you're... (laughs) So we know that your LARPing community is quite diverse and different. And so we wanted to hear about, about that. Let's start there. And then I want to really want to get into some of the online community aspects, but we'd love to hear about how your community is different and how you cultivated that community and how you think others can bring more uh, diversity and inclusion into LARPing. For sure. So when we started our LARP, there was kind of a community split. I won't talk about that too much, Um, but I will say that when I was picking people to be on staff. I intentionally did not invite any white men um, to be on our staff. Um, I I have been very cognizant of the fact that LARPing has historically been a very male-dominated thing. And I mean, women have played, right? Um, There's this idea of the oh god, I hate this so much and I'm going to have to say it. Uh, The (laughs) the healer girlfriend. Mm. Um, uh, well, is that like a, that's like he- an archetype or trope or something? Or yeah, it's where you get your girlfriend to play a healer so that she can uh, 
uh, heal your fighter character and basically be your backpack healer. So she exists solely to further the male story. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so that cool. has been a thing. Uh, and we like, you know, we have tried very hard to like make sure our rules don't mean that you give your labor to someone else. Like that you are the hero of your own story and you, you know, you can stand on your own. Obviously, you probably don't want to stand on your own if you are, in fact, a healer. <laughs> probably don't want to do that too much. Uh, but you, you know, our our system has a lot of variance in terms of you can be different things, right? You're, you, you don't spend time at the game as just a healer. You might also be a diplomat. Uh, you can even do non-combat at ours um, as well. Um, but you might also be a fighter and a healer right um so our rules aren't based uh on archetypes they're based on skill sets that you may or may not have there's a lot more there but we do have one token male uh white male uh <laughs> staff <Right>. member now <laughs> um uh very happy to have him he's great you know we were trying to free ourselves of some of the things that we had seen before and i think role playing in particular has a lot of it has a lot of elements that can get people to explore their own identity, you know, be something more than just standing in a state park talking at each other, right? I know for me personally, um, I'm non-binary and like it was really through LARPing, like it was not just through my academic work, um, I'm a queer scholar, uh, but also through LARPing, like actually getting the chance to wear, you know, less gendered clothing and or even role play as someone that is uh isn't femme identifying like that really helped me and i think that is a pretty common story in our group mm -hmm. tell us a little bit rachel about larping in color while we're kind of on these general topics <laughs> yeah no definitely so larping in color is a fairly recent or nonprofit organization that is operated by people of color lgbtq plus and that really want to see more representation in our hobbies and so this includes things like tabletop larping you know I, i'm joining the group right so i, I don't want to speak too much for them <laughs> they are trying to encourage diversity and sensitivity uh by educating creators um and creating an environment that allows people you know acting as a resource that lets people connect with experts, right? Like, so diversity coaches, sensitivity readers, you know, kind of having a network of people that can, are available to do, do these kinds of labors um, and, you know, get a little bit of money for it, right? Like it's obviously starting very small, but that is the kind of the end goal. It's not just to make a LARP. It's not a stamp on your rule set that says you're not racist. It's saying here are resources, here are people we partner with, a group of people that you can contact through us that can help you to like, you know, see some areas where you could need work, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, so just kind of shifting back into Garden of Destinies and getting into the online aspect now, we talked a little yes. bit about the pandemic. So how did you remove the live from live action role playing during the pandemic? <laughs> um, how did it all go online? Yeah. So LARP has always used the internet. LARPs have always used the internet. People have used the internet for role playing since the internet has existed. Uh, <laughs> people tended to go by word of mouth or see something on the internet, right? Like 
It was a good way to have message boards to actually like post information. Uh, so disseminating that information got a lot easier over time, but you would also have forum activity, that sort of things. Um, and obviously organizing groups of 50 people can be really tough without the internet. <laughs> I mean, you would have like phone chains, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so even more recently, like a lot of bookkeeping can now be handled electronic uh, electronically, as well as social media, things like Facebook and Discord. And so a lot of these technologies we were already using, but we have character sheets, character tracking, online free rules, all of our, you know, our backend stuff visible for like writing our stories and encounters is all on that. It's mobile accessible. And so from a game runner perspective, like that has been very helpful. And we've always been doing that, at least since we started in late 2015. The element that we really had to transition is that live part that you were mentioning. And like, we primarily relied on Discord. And this is something that we had done previously, like we had fireside chats, which are basically the online FDR style fireside chat where we would gather in Discord and the mm -hmm. staff would respond to questions, talk about different topics. We would have raffles, um, that sort of thing. So we ran online events with actual role-playing during COVID-19. Our last one was in March, April, April. It was in April. Wow. Uh, <laughs> our last one was in April. Um, our next game will be live. Um, but uh, these were all free events. Uh, basically, we used kind of the layout of Discord to be different areas for different roleplay purposes. Like we would have multiple areas to do battles. We uh, re-changed our rules uh, to suit. Uh, we converted our system to an online system and we primarily use Discord. We didn't want to place an additional burden on our players, right? Because um, so many people are constantly using Zoom and Zoom fatigue is real. And I think like we definitely have to acknowledge that that's a thing. Sometimes during quarantine, we just don't want to get all dressed up and be a character. So we let people choose to be on camera, um, you know, or just do voice. Uh, we came in as NPCs, obviously coming in as different in a online context, but we really used the, you know, similar frameworks, but definitely a different context. And they were all free because honestly, like we acknowledge that the experience isn't the same, right? Like you are missing out on some of the things that like can be really good. And I think like maintaining connections and like our role as community organizers, like really was really important because people needed that human connection. Um, just to see that people were still thinking about one another and, you know, keeping in touch digitally was really, I mean, it made me feel a lot better. I mean, like maybe, maybe that's just me, but I, I don't think it was like, I mean, we, we got a lot of, we take feedback from our events and, and we, we've gotten feedback that was very much like, we thank you for doing this at all. Continuing to work during the pandemic on this definitely free thing that, you know, <sighs> can be really tough. And so I guess that was kind of the way we kept going is, you know, having our online space, uh, which falls under our code of conduct and, you know, is something we can control, right? Like you can't always control a Zoom meeting, uh, but you can certainly, you know, control the spaces that people have all opted into. 
Yeah. There's just so many aspects to this of how you took it online, how people are interacting, how they were able to support one another through the pandemic. I guess just bigger question, like overall, how do you think the internet has taken the community to the next level and really allowed it to grow? So I would say obviously that it it really has. uh, I mean, internet kind of like made it visible, right? It, It made it something that people, if you were like LARPing, I heard about that. Wait, let me Google it, right? Now you can say, let me Google it and you can Google it, uh, right? Um, and also like there are groups on Facebook, like there are, there's like a Southeastern LARPs United group. Like you can literally just go on Facebook and find a group that actually has hundreds of people in it and like thousands sometimes. So I think there's there's obviously this backend element where you can have a website and you can be very forward about what your group goals are. Um, and really, I think for me at least, I when I try to look into LARP, I think, well, what are what is the goals of this group? Like, are they going to be safe? Because I I mean, LARP has had this kind of fraught relationship with you know being male dominated, like you mentioned. And, you know, you have to think about, am I going to be safe here? Especially, you know, in the Southeast, right? Uh, And we have very specific, you know, if you show up with a Confederate flag, you're going home. (laughs) Goodbye, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, not every LARP is like that. And you have to kind of find your people. Um, And a lot of the ways I think you do that is by... I guess, looking at their website and seeing who's their staff, uh, you know, do they have a code of conduct? Um, are their rules publicly available? You know, like there are steps that kind of, I think, help people determine whether a space is going to be safe, right? Because if you go to a website and it's like, here's some narrative stuff about LARPing that we made up, like, but it doesn't put in any of the inclusion work or any of those elements that might you know, the signals that queer people, that people of color know are the right ones um, from having to navigate the minefield of not only real life, but also the internet. Like, um, I I think that, you know, not having those matters and that having them uh, makes a difference in who you get at your LARP too. Yeah. I I think we initially found you through LARPing.org. And I don't know if you Mm -hmm. know much about that or could speak to it, but it seems like it's a pretty great directory of LARPs, essentially. Yeah. So my friend Ash used to be on our staff and they helped us on that, right? Like, because at the time we were just starting up and we were looking for, you know, ways to advertise that weren't just Facebook, right? Or our website, right? Because there's only so many times you could post your website in random places, right? (laughs) But it very much depends on you reaching out to them I don't think they contacted us. I have used their website to some degree. And like, I agree, I think it's really helpful to have those kinds of directories because as I mentioned earlier, like the variance in LARP style and interest and like genre and that sort of thing. Like some people don't like multi-genre. Some people do, right? Some people don't want to play a a post-apoc cowboy, right? (laughs) And they've got some great photos on the the site. Yeah. The photos are almost a little intimidating. I'm like, these costumes are intense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With us being a very uh, more of a people over money alert, you know, we don't have strict costuming standards or anything like that. We are not 
we are not bring your own cup LARP. Uh, Not that that is a problem. It's just that's not what we do. Because there are some LARPs that are very restrictive about what you can wear, you know, thread counts. And what I have found is that people will really turn it out. Like on low budgets, by working together, right? Like we have several people that do costuming. It's very much like how to costume on a budget. How do we costume on a budget? (laughs) Do you have Uh, any like big tips? I'm so curious about that. Oh, man. So go to thrift stores. If you are male bodied, women's section still going to have the better variety, right? Like if you're looking for something that looks kind of, I don't know, like a cool vest or whatever, you're not going to get it in the men's section a lot of times. Be creative, right? You can put a costume together if you just like find cool accessories to wear with your regular stuff, you know? So I think really just don't be afraid to wear weird stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) She's definitely not. Rachel, you implied maybe briefly there that like you said the word thread count or that and that you guys are more scrappy and not for profit. Are, Are there you know, quote unquote, serious for-profit LARPing companies or communities where they're like, if your, if your fabrics are not <laughs> 300 thread count, get out of here. There are certainly big box LARP. Big box LARP. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, you know, the, wa- the Walmart of LARPing does exist. Um, without getting into too much bad blood or bad tucking other LARPs, which is not really my goal, though I do have personal opinions, right, about what LARPing is for and what it can do. I think it also, Mm -hmm. uh, some people do really like sticking to more meticulous guidelines in that respect. I think in the Southeast, they are relatively few and far between. The people that LARP tend to be a little poorer. I know the Northeast has a lot of uh, what I would consider blockbuster LARPs. I think they happen here too, but a little less frequently. Um, and I mean, there are certainly groups that aim for higher standards, like no red solo cups, that sort of thing. <laughs> there is in some ways some discontent with that. Um, but also like, you know, there are people that want different things when they approach LARPing, right? Like, right. I would say that I mean, personally, I mean, all the all the pictures on our website are of our pi- pictures of our players, and our players are freaking beautiful. Their costuming looks great. They they work it. I feel like in some cases there is a pretentiousness that I'm not. I don't really jive with. Though I understand why people might be like, "I look so cool," right? Because obviously, I want to look cool too. And it sounds like there's an imagination factor there too, where Definitely. if you if you guys have an, a red solo cup then that is a, a mug of ale, right? You're using your imagination. But, but the big box LARPers are like, we need to be inside Westworld and everything needs to be exactly, <laughs> I need to really be in the simulation and there is no excuses for, you know, a fake looking cup or something. And, and I, get, I get it. I get both of those. But uh, yours sounds much more inclusive. Yeah, and that's kind of the the goal. I mean, we don't necessarily we we tend to buy plastic cups, but we don't necessarily buy the red solo cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a bit of a pivot, but 
Jen found the intimate encounters policy, and we have to know mm-hmm. more. What is going on here? Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, I was actually thinking to go there too because we come from the world of theater and know that mm-hmm. consent consent coaches have become. A, you know, there are people who are actually on stage now. Like we would have combat coaches when we were younger, <laughs> sort of yeah, like teaching yeah, practices. So, like, very we we're fairly interested to know uh, how this works. Yeah. So a common thing is like, obviously our LARPs have, you know, fake violence. And so like, there's a lot of ideas about, you know, well, why can't we also have fake intimate encounters, right? Or things like explicitly related to sexuality. And not everyone wants uh, that as an option, but we basically wanted to say, hey, we are okay with this here's the rules we want you to follow when you do it. Whether you're going to do a fade to black, number one is you have to get enthusiastic yeses. And if you get anything other than that, it is a no. Um, And we will ban you permanently for that kind of thing. You have to get certified with us. Um, It's usually me. I give a talk about consent and making sure that everyone is very aware of the policy. I guess like more nitty gritty stuff is like, we have this thing called Ars Armandi. It's actually something we got from After the End LARP, which is one of our sister LARPs, and they got from somewhere else. That's often sometimes how things work. Um, But we've like clarified it differently than I think other LARPs. And we have this, obviously, we have a whole policy about intimate encounters. And this is basically just like you rub your hands together, You, you touch hands. But you can also not touch your hands, right? Uh, you you can just choose uh, to do a kind of verbal thing. Um, and the rules are pretty, like, straightforward. One of the things is, like, we do allow minors at the game. They are not allowed to engage in any of these. You know, we have, like, a little minors talk. And we're, like, very clear that, hey, you do not approach any of these people they're off limits. Um, so like, I guess like an example of like the intimate encounter, like if you were going to do like a verbal thing, someone might be like, I guess they might choose some words like coy and the other person would be like, they would reply in turn and like play off of one another if they were going to do a, a, a verbal thing, but you can, it's, it can be a little more free form than that. Into it. Into consent. I think it's cool. Yeah. Consent is very cool. (laughs) Consent is cool. So, yeah, we would love to wrap this up by asking, what do you think are the benefits of LARPing? Yeah, I think that sometimes you don't notice the benefit it is having until, you know, you spend a year and a half without it, (laughs) which we all have. Um, (laughs) Not everyone has. And I have opinions about LARPs that continue to run during the pandemic. But that aside, I think that it does build community with other people that are more likely to accept one another as they have experiences in play with one another. Like we, we've been very forthright about the fact that we're not trying to like curb dissent or give leeway to missing stairs. Like it's not about how we need to pull together and stay positive every time, always and accept everyone and never complain or, you know, can't make waves or have dissenting opinions. Um, you know, we encourage healthy discussion. We allow people to talk about real issues and we ask abusers to leave. Like, and so like we try as a LARP staff to protect people who need that safe space, but also like, 
I think that LARPing can bring you out of your shell, right? Like I think it can introduce you to people with new ideas. I think it helps people face some things in real, in the real life, right? Because I think it does broaden your experiences in a way that is safer than if you have to experience it in the real world. Can we get Congress people to LARP? I feel like this could kill a political (laughs) divide. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I do too, in a lot of ways, actually. Like, I mean, I think that so many people have just, they don't have to work in groups outside of school, you know? Right. Um, Or if they get on their job, you know, it's about coworkers. And like, sometimes you can have fun with your coworkers, right? Um, But like, you know, that often isn't the goal for a job. But I think like, in this space, it's like absent a lot of those things. And I I have seen people that came in, you know, less tolerant, and then become more tolerant. Like, so I think there is some, um, some merits to that. I'm not really sure I want to, you know, facilitate that at my Mm -hmm. say, because, you know, I'm not (laughs) I'm not running like a rehabilitation center for people that have been abusers, but like, I do think like it does give you perspective on other people and sometimes that's small and can matter. Um, because like you are just less likely to be hateful if you can have experiences and have had struggles real or fake with people that aren't like you. Rachel, we thank you so much for your time today and leading us towards a more inclusive LARP. <laughs> um, and best of luck as things go back to in-person and also maintaining all the great online aspects that you've cultivated. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for having me. You guys are great. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't go into this knowing too much about LARPing. I know I should know more. It's been around no, for honestly, a while. Honestly, <laughs> I have a vocabulary list of shit to look up now. Yes. <laughs> But I look forward to boffering with you. You know, I haven't been boffed in a while and I could use a boffing. The Mm. pandemic's been hard on boffing. It's been really hard. You know, it hasn't been acceptable to boff and I'm ready for a boffing. I just want to say it as many times as possible. I would just like to do a callback to those guidelines that you presented, Ali, on this podcast months ago towards the beginning of the pandemic on... uh, how you should be sexual with people during the pandemic. <laughs> Where were those from? Do you remember? It and was do like we remember what episode City, that was? It was the New, New York City, City official <laughs> guidelines. We're like, get creative, use walls. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, we didn't hear I much about know. that. After I want to know yeah. did glory holes make a comeback? You know, <laughs> if you used a glory hole during the pandemic, tweet me. Breaking news, I've changed my Twitter handle. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, shit. Allie underscore Goldie, so it matches all the other. Oh, I thought it was Blockbuster Boffer at Twitter.com. Well, I'm going to change it again now after this episode. <laughs> so, Allie underscore Goldie? Yeah, Allie underscore G-O-L-D-I, because that's gotcha. also my Instagram. And not that I really do TikTok or Clubhouse, but I'm trying to make them all the same. And that's what I could get. That's all the same. <laughs> Was that a fun Shit. story? Did everybody I have gotta, a good time? I'm making a note. I got to change the uh, show notes now. God damn it. I'm Listeners, sorry. double check Matt. Look at the show notes right now. I Did don't he like change it, it either. <laughs> remind me to update the show notes for the podcast in two hours. Why is it? Right. I'll remind you at 4.31 p.m. 
Great, great. Okay, great. so he was talking. Okay, great. To Siri, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I was thinking, Allie, somebody's gonna like uh, pretend to be you. They're gonna, you're, there's gonna be an imposter. Don't give Allie. them ideas. <laughs> also, I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> you should register your old one from just like a burner email, just so that it is not, oh. and then redirect it. Say like, hey, I used to be here, but now I'm here. Go here. It's a good idea. Yeah, we're full of them. Look at that, with the ideas. You got two weeks uh, before this goes live, so get on it. That's right. Okay. Somebody grab Allie's Twitter handle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of that, uh, we always want to know your thoughts. So tweet at us, please do. You know Allie's new handle. Uh, Mine is at Junebugger, same as always. You can also email us at 2g1podcast at gmail.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail. That phone number is... 347 6548. That number again. 347 8716 Also, come onto our Discord server, discord.ggslashtugg1p.discord.ggslashtugg1p.discord.ggslashtugg1p.discord.ggslashtugg1p.discord.ggslashtugg1p.discord.ggslashtugg1p.discord.ggslashtugg1p.discord.ggslashtug